This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. And welcome to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Greg Vavernick and Kyle Russo. Greg, great to have you back. No Tommy the Mac McNamara tonight. And we do apologize for not airing last week due to a technical issue, but we are back. You can call in with your thoughts, questions, comments at 516-299-2030 to take part in our live show tonight. And we will also be podcasting. Uh, You can look up our recent podcasts, current ones. Uh, download the podcast app on your iPhone. Actually, you probably do have it. It comes with it, right, Greg? comes with the iPhone. Uh, yes, you are correct. And then you can type in Review and Preview, and you'll find us. All right, so let's get right to it. A uh, couple breaking news, things in the NFL going on. The first one, Jason Witten, after 15 seasons as a Dallas Cowboy, has announced his retirement this morning. Uh, played all 15 years with the Cowboys, ranks fifth all-time in receiving yards among players who played for one team, and quite frankly, at 35. Um, originally, I was shocked, but once I read the reports as to why, I wasn't. But, you know, if you like the Cowboys, if you hate the Cowboys, Jason Witten was a class, class act. Yeah, absolutely. He was one of probably the most humble guys in the NFL, uh, He's a notable guy who's been an excellent player in the league for a very long time. And you know what? It's sad to see because part of his retirement probably comes down to the fact that if Dallas was close to winning, I don't think we'd be seeing him retire because based on what I've seen over the last couple seasons, the guy could still flat-out play. I mean, he was one of Dallas's top receivers last year, and he still could be. But, you know, when you're going nowhere with a team and you're 35 years old, I guess it's time for him to call it quits. Yeah, for me, I think the biggest thing that – came as a little bit of a surprise for me was the timing of the retirement. He was a great player. I think he's a Hall of Famer. And really, the timing, I think, is something that was really questioning to me because I feel like if this was something that was on his mind for so long, I feel that, you know, he maybe, I guess for the benefit of the Cowboys, should have done this before the draft. Because if they knew that Jason Witten was going to retire, maybe they, that could have changed their draft strategy around. Because now, like you do this right after the draft, and the Cowboys were fully expecting to have Witten for the whole season, and now you have a gaping hole at tight end on that offense for Dak Prescott to work with. I mean, granted, Dak Prescott never really threw that much to Jason Witten anyway throughout the year, but you know that's a big need for an offense, and now that's a major problem for Dallas that they could have addressed in the draft if this happens sooner. An offense that just disposed of Des Bryant, and now Witten retires, so really you're left with Ezekiel Elliott and Cole Beasley if you're Dak Prescott. But the future for Jason Witten, he will join ESPN as an analyst for Monday Night Football as John Gruden's successor. And ESPN is actually, they actually offered him $4 million per season to do this. A little bit of a pay cut for ESPN, too, when you think about it. Yeah. Because Gruden was making around six. Um, my thing is Witten turns 36 on Sunday. Do you think this happened a little too soon, despite the offer? Do you think the offer played uh, a role in Witten's decision? 
or do you think wear and tear was kind of uh, starting to get to him? Because, Greg, you and I grew up watching him. I mean, we were only like, what, seven, eight years old when he started playing? Around there, but I don't think it's too soon because, I mean, look at Tony Romo. Literally went right from the field to the booth with Jim Nance. Yeah. And he had a lot of success in the booth, and I think Jason Witten could do the same thing because he's a smart guy and still probably one of the few players in the NFL to play for so long and still have their head on straight. Um, so I think he could do very well, brings a lot of knowledge and history of the game, and can talk about things that a lot of these older color commentators that were past NFL players probably couldn't really discuss that much just because they don't know the nature of the game as it is right now. Yeah. And I think it's going to help him. And I don't know if Sean McDonough is going to be back next year for Monday Night Football. So whoever is so whoever is going to be the play-by-play guy for Monday Night Football, I think they'll benefit a lot by having him in the booth. I think Tessator is the name as the potential play-by-play replacement. Um, now, Kyle Russo, um, I have to get to your thoughts here on this. The New York football giants will not have to defend Jason Witten much anymore at all, I should say. Um, what are your thoughts on Dallas losing Witten? It's a happy, happy day for Giants fans, considering the fact that one of the Giants' biggest weaknesses over the past five years has been guarding tight ends. Right. And, you know, you lose. You don't have to defend Jason Witten anymore, and that's a great thing, but you still got to defend Jordan Reed. Yeah. You still got to de- uh, defend Zach Ertz with the Eagles, and they drafted Dallas Goddard, one of the top tight ends in the draft this past uh, yeah. past week. So, obviously, Jason Witten is a fantastic player, and yep. there's no doubt about it. Probably first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's nice to see him go as a Giants fan, but it's sad to see him go if you're a Dallas fan. This is uh, our breaking news segment of the show. If you're just tuning in now, uh, we do have a delayed start tonight. We started at 5.15 because the LIU Post lacrosse broadcast was uh, the game ended around 5, so we aired at 5.15. Now... One other, we said we have two breaking news stories. The other is regarding a quarterback down south, and that is Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan receives a five-year extension to become the first $30 million per year quarterback, and $100 million is guaranteed, according to Chris Mortensen. And Matt Ryan, you know, lurking around 32, 33 now, that's... Very impressive that he got that extension, don't you think? I mean, it's an impressive contract and somewhat deserved, but somewhat not really because he's taken the Falcons to the Super Bowl, but, you know, blew that 28-3 lead. And, I mean, he's a fantastic quarterback, and I think really that's just it's just a matter of the market and the way it is because you see Kirk Cousins getting – Three years for 84, where all of it is completely guaranteed, and Jimmy Garoppolo getting an insane contract where he gets a ton of annual guaranteed money. And this is just another one of those contracts where it's just, you know, Matt Ryan, now the first player to be annually making $30 million a year consecutively on, on this contract. And it's just the way of the market. And you had to figure the next big time quarterback that was going to be getting an extension was going to get that kind of money. Um, and it just happened to meet Matt Ryan. Uh, he's a very talented player. Um, I think that Matt Ryan is going to have probably one of his best years offensively next year with the addition of Calvin Ridley, which we'll talk about a little bit more in the show yeah. as we talk as we get ready to uh, go over the draft later on in uh, about an hour or so. But 
I think Matt Ryan is going to have a fantastic year, and I think now that he's got the money, Atlanta Falcon fans just have to hope he doesn't slack off at all, you know, now that he's got the money. He sure does, and on that note, we will gear off from the NFL. We will get to our NFL segment a little later. That was our breaking news, and, well, one more breaking news. The Yankees just won, and as you see Kyle Russo rejoicing there, the Yankees won on a Gleyber Torres two-run single helping the Yankees score three in the ninth to beat the Astros 6-5. That man is going to be some player. Him and Andujar are going to be some special players. They're going to be great. Now, breaking news is done for now. Let's get to the Mets. Um, The Mets have officially dropped to second place last night in the NL East. Uh, They are now 17-12. Now, the last show we had, guys, the Mets were 13-4. Now they're 17-12. So, <laughs> not you know they ever ever since starting eleven and one they're not producing six and eleven now since, and since our last show, they're what they're four and seven four and eight. It's probably something around that, but listen, we know the Mets. This is who they are. If if the pitching isn't working, this is what's going to happen. And yeah. none of the pitchers, even the Grom, Syndergaard, they haven't been playing well. I mean, we've seen what. Varks has done, and it's been absolutely horrible. Well, the guy has actually been playing. He's been playing better. Uh, Varks has been playing terrible. Harvey's been playing so bad that he got put as a reliever now. Matt's is playing okay. Wheeler's playing okay. And the the hitting is going into a slump. And teams like Atlanta are coming up. I'm pretty sure they took over first place in the division. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is coming up. Washington is going to be there. This this is not good for the Mets. They they got ahead early in the season and they're already blowing, they're already blowing this good lead that they had. I think the well obviously the biggest issue with the team is no one's hitting. Yeah, Joanna Cespedes recently has been the only guy on the team that actually has a clue on how to put the bat on the baseball. As you know, he's yeah. been having a he had a great series against the Braves. I mean, granted today he went over two against the Bravos after the Mets got completely destroyed today, once again by Julio Teheran. But, you know, this team is just not hitting. You know, aside from Drupal Cabrera, who's hitting three twenty seven now after today's game, there's really no one that stands out to you by the numbers as an everyday player. You know, Cespedes is, he was dreadful to start the year. I mean, he only got timely hits when they when the Mets needed them. But now he, his average is up to two forty eight, which is average. It's mediocre. But no one on the team is hitting. Adrian Gonzalez can't hit right now. Ahmed Rosario's got to get more patient at the plate. The team overall just has a lot of trouble hit, putting the bat on the ball, especially as these brave pitchers where the these pitchers, the Mets with the Braves pitching staff this in this series look like Cy Young candidates, all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, the Mets just like, they. it's just a team. They're an all-or-nothing team. That's what they've been the last few years. It's either, you know, just home run or nothing. It's boom or bust with them, literally. And... The pitching staff has been an issue, as you see now. DeGrom hyperextending his elbow last night. And he's going to try and go out to make his next start on a normal rest, which a little suspicious of just because, you know, you want this is with, with DeGrom, if he's, if he's hurt, then the Mets are a sub-500 team without him. It's an issue. It's an issue because right now, with the exception of DeGrom and Syndergaard, who's there? I mean, Vargas got blown up today. Twice in a row. He should have had more of a rehab stint. He should have had more rehab games to get ready to come back because he's been getting shelled the last two games he's been here. Three home runs. Three. In addition to go with how bad the Mets have been hitting, 
right now the, the pitching is just as bad, possibly even worse. I mean, and that's saying something. I mean, when you when you move a, one of your stars to the bullpen, then he decides to go out and party afterwards just because he's got to get some frustrations out. And that's a clear issue. Yeah. But, I mean, no one, like Sandy Alderson even said, no one on, in ownership is surprised. There's not one surprise that the Mets saw with this coming. Yeah. Vargas has been terrible since he got came back from injury. DeGrom has been stellar. He was pitching fine. Even after he hyperextended his elbow, the inning after he hurt himself, he went out the next inning and struck out the side. So, you know, he, and he's been doing pretty amazing this year. He's been one of the few Mets pitchers that have actually been able to do well. Yeah. Syndergaard has had some issues his last couple starts. Mats is terrible. And you know, Wheeler's had some good starts and some bad starts, so you don't you don't know what you're expecting with him yet. The bullpen is a total question mark. You can't I don't trust anybody in that bullpen. Mm-hmm. Jerry Familia can't close out a game anymore over the last two weeks. Selman got rocked the other day. Because Selman yeah. got rocked. Everyone's getting rocked. Yeah. They used the bullpen too well, much early on in the season and it's come back to bite them. I, now these guys are tired. I have a couple of things to say about this. In terms of the hitting, Todd Frazier has not been too happy. Uh, he's clearly called out some umpires on their strike zone this year. Lack of accountability in terms of, you know, taking pitches and whatnot. Um, in addition to the injuries looming, uh, you know, luckily the Grom's M- MRI came in negative today for his hyperextended right elbow. And the Mets were shut out last night. The first time they were shut out all season happened again today. That's two straight times they were shut out. They're hitting just 235 as a unit, as a team. And last night, and you know, it wasn't just as Giselman we talked about. It was Seawall, too. Oh, my goodness. The Grom was – he only gave up two hits, I think. And then he had six strikeouts as well. And then Seawall comes in, and Giselman, they combined to give up seven runs in four innings. When you're going to replace a guy like Jacob DeGrom, no matter if it was, you know, fatigue, injury, or what have you, when DeGrom's pumping 96, 97 mile an hour fastballs and they can't touch him, yeah. like he, he was pitching fantastic. Like no one could have touched him. He could have easily gone with his pitch count too. He could have gone eight innings last night because I was there. He could have gone eight innings. And when you put a guy in like Paul Seawald, who barely deserves to be on the major league roster as it is, yeah. and he's throwing 89 and 90 mile an hour fastballs right down the middle. You are going to get killed. Yeah. The Braves teed off on him like it was batting practice once he came in the game. And it was embarrassing. The life got sucked out of that stadium last night when people found out that DeGrom was taken out because of injury and they saw Paul Seawold coming. The life was sucked out of that stadium. I've ne- And so many people left in like the sixth and seventh innings. I'm surprised I even lasted to the eighth inning. Wow. First you, time I ever left some, a game. First time I ever left a game early. You had some pretty excellent seats last night, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I was 17 rows off behind home plate. Wow, pretty impressive. Now we got to give credit where credit is due. Despite with how bad the Mets have been playing, the Braves have been playing really well. They're a young team. They're energetic, very athletic, and their lefty Sean Newcomb last night. He really threw a gem. Seven innings pitched, just two hits. Eight strikeouts. I mean, he. this is a young guy who comes in that, quite frankly, most people probably have never even heard of, especially with last night, the performance that he gave. I think he's starting to make a mark. The Braves are starting to get 
a little bit of attention now that they're in first place. They're a young team with a lot and a lot of energy. Once they brought up their two big prospects, Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr., yeah. they've been a completely different team. You know, having veteran leadership, like the perfect guys too, with Freddie Freeman, who is the epitome of a Met killer. Yeah. He, he basically picked up right where Chipper Jones left off with that team. It was bad. And with him and Nick Markakis in the middle of that lineup, providing veteran leadership for all this young talent around them, right? the Braves have a really young and a very promising group. We have guys like Acuna and Albies, where Albies already has 10 home runs. He had another home run today. And you know, he's a very promising prospect. Acuna hit another moonshot today. And, you know, it's this is a team Suzuki. that's got And Kurt Suzuki, too. They have a lot of potential. You know, Danzy Swanson at short. You know, Ryan Flaherty was having a great start to this year so far at third base. And even the backup for Atlanta, Johan Camargo, is having a good year so far, he's too. impressive. There's a lot to be happy with if you're yeah. a Braves fan. They just need to get the pitching situation taken care of. They and, do. And they could be a very dominant team. I remember a couple of weeks ago when we had our last show, we were looking at these Rosses and the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies, and we were saying, oh, Mets are going to keep on winning. Uh, they, they got nothing mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And then these teams came alive, and the Mets just sunk, absolutely sunk. And this is this is a scary division to be in right now because the Washington Nationals are not the Washington Nationals that we know. The Atlanta Braves are the Yankees. This is what the Yankees were last year, the Atlanta Braves right now. This is what they were, and right. they're a scary I would team. agree with you on that. And and the Phillies are just looking like a, a dominant team also who could easily pass the Mets. Yeah, and you can't count out the Nationals. No, one thought on the Nationals we gotta, as we got to go to the break in just one minute. Uh, they're undefeated since putting Bryce Harper as their leadoff hitter. So sometimes doing things out of the box, changing things, work. The Mets tried to do it today, hitting Conforto fifth and Bruce second. Uh, clearly didn't work today, but we'll see if they do it again tomorrow night. Uh, we talked about Vargas's dreadful performance. Uh, Cespedes coming back from the thumb injury, seven for his last 13. He's looked solid. Tuesday night, the Mets lost to the Braves as well as they were swept in this series. Thor had his first loss of the season, and Atlanta's taken five out of the first six against the Mets this season, as the Mets will welcome the Colorado Rockies, 17-15 and 15 Rockies, tomorrow night. Any final thoughts on what we expect from this Mets series and moving forward? You can't count out a team like the Colorado Rockies because they perform great on the road. Yeah. And because, you know, their pitching staff is not that great, but their hitting can make up for it. They have so many big-time bats in that lineup. The Mets pitching needs to show up because the Rockies are going to be getting the more terrible part of the Mets' rotation, too. So you have to, the bullpen might be getting a lot of work yeah. in this series against the Rockies, but you just have to hope the Mets' bats wake up because it, this can get ugly quick for them. Awful. Awful. And they that's their definition lately, awful. Zach Wheeler is probably their third-best starter at the moment. Probably. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had nine strikeouts his last outing, and hopefully Zach Wheeler proves his spot in this rotation. You know, I like the guy. I hope he gets back as a solid, consistent starter, which as of right now, that's what it's looking like. Hopefully Frazier's back in the lineup tomorrow. Um, one final thought. You guys hear about Cespedes' necklace breaking? Oh, my God. That was, expen- that was that, funny. That was that, the funniest thing I've ever seen that in was, my life. That was one expensive... Uh, <laughs> no, that was one expensive... He threw uh, his ground. diamonds on the floor like it was a knockoff that you buy on 
Look, if things keep going down like this, the best thing about this weekend may be Jerry Blevins' sock day on Sunday. A couple minutes after that, all you see is Cabrera picking up all the diamonds and he's putting them in his glove. He probably had about $300 in his hands at second base. Look, hopefully, for the Mets' sake, they do not become the laughing stock of the National League East. Hopefully, they get things back going. If they take two out of three this weekend, they'd be on a good track to get things going again because then they travel to Cincinnati where hopefully they can sweep the Reds. On that note... We're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, it's the Bronx Bombers. The New York Yankees are back. 20-10. and 10. They've won 12 out of their last 14. You're listening to Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. That's Greg Favernick playing the tunes tonight. Back behind the board. Welcome back to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Stavetta. Join alongside... The one and only Greg Vavernick, Kyle Russo here in the studio. Uh, you guys have a lot going on right now. We have Greg, who will be graduating LIU Post next Friday, a week from tomorrow. That's right. And Kyle Russo, you will be graduating from Comac High School just a, lo- a little over a month. Yep, it's crazy, man. And you will be attending Penn State University. Penn State, that is right. We are Penn State. Wow. Uh, kudos to you. Thank you. Uh, and best of luck. And we look forward to having you on the show up until August when you make your departure a little over 100 miles northwest. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> as yeah. Let's get right to it. The, and your team, the New York Yankees, have defeated the Houston Astros and have taken three out of four games. Kyle, I mean, if you're a Yankees fan, you must be thrilled right now. The Yanks are 12-2 and two over the last two weeks. They're 21-10 they're and 10 now. And they're second in the AL East, only behind the major league leading Boston Red Sox. And on our last show, the Yankees were 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. And that's pretty alarming with how well they've been playing. And credit to all the players. Right now, Didi Gregorius, AL Player of the Month for the first month of the season in April. Well-earned, well-deserved. He's been incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. I, at one point... In the uh, at one point in the season, he led in all categories. He led in slugging percentage, batting percentage, uh, on base percentage, home runs, RBIs, everything. This this and this is a shortstop too. Like this isn't like a, a right fielder or another outfielder. This is a shortstop doing this stuff. So it's absolutely incredible to see. You saw the leadership that Didi had. He kind of brought the Yankees, revived them out of this slump that we saw when we were on our last show when they were at you said Tom eight and eight. And Didi has put life into this team and has got everybody out of the slump, whether it's Sanchez, because he started the season off terribly, Judge in his slump. Even Giancarlo Stanton yesterday hits two home runs. Must have been a welcome sight, I'm sure. Beautiful sight to see. You said that with a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sarcasm? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, for a Yankee (laughs) fan, it's a good thing to see. You know, Stanton's been... Too busy, you know, getting five strikeouts a game and barely putting the bat on the ball. And then, I mean, it was only a matter of time before you saw Stan try to, you know, break out of his little slump that he was in because, you know, it was there. Mm -hmm. It just just needed to, you know, you just needed that one game where it just turned around for you. And, I mean, Didi Gregorius, you know, half the Yankee fans probably forget, oh, yeah, this is the guy that's taking the place of probably one of the, the if not the greatest shortstop that your franchise in the hundred and whatever years you've had, probably the greatest shortstop you've ever had. Yep. And this is his replacement, and he's playing like he's you know the MVP of the league. 
Which, I mean, in my opinion, if he keeps it up, he probably could be. I, I think he's one of the sleepers right now. Yeah. And to fill in the shoes of Derek Jeter, as you said, Greg, that's pretty good stuff. I mean, you look at his stats right now. He leads the American League 10 home runs, 30 RBIs. This is coming into today, before today's game. Tied for second with a 330 batting average and leading the majors with a 735 slugging percentage. It's unbelievable. You know, and 18 walks, which is more times than he struck out. So when you have more walks than strikeouts at this stage of the game, and, you know, he's not striking out. You know, you see guys like Judge and Stanton, they hit a lot, but they also strike out a lot. With Didi, you don't see it. No, he's always on base. Every time you see him get up to plate, he's always going to be on base. That's the type of player he is. And then before the season started, I remember watching a press conference. They were uh, interviewing Didi. And he's like, he said, we have to win this year. And you could see it, just the aggression that he has when he's at, when he's at the plate. Uh, th- this guy could play. Uh, nobody expected this. This could arguably be one of Brian Cashman's best moves as the Yankees general manager. This, yep. Nobody expected this. I mean, like you said, Greg, to fill Derek Jeter's shoes is hard enough. And then to come out playing like a legitimate MVP, being the LA, uh, AL player of the month, from a shortstop, nonetheless, with 10 home runs and 30 RBIs, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it has. And before today, the Yankees won two straight days by a score of 4 nothing. And the way they came out today, and really, uh, Gleyber Torres with the game-winning two-run single, the Yankees were down in this game. Yep. The Yankees had the lead, and then they were down. And then a comeback win like that from... A lot of young guys they have right now. You know, Tyler Austin has been hitting okay. He's been doing pretty decent. Uh, he has a few. I think he has seven homers. I I think he actually might have five. Oh, something we'll like that. Check that. I stat don't think line, I don't but, think it's seven. Uh, Gleyber Torres. That was a good move bringing him up. I really do think so. I think he could be something moving forward. And you look at the Yankees. There is a lot of young talent on this team. Uh, you know, Clint Frazier just sent back to AAA today. Yep. Uh, taken off the DL. Miguel and Duhor, yeah. the, these these guys have rejuvenated this Look, Yankees offense. It was offense. a typical Yankees game. The final score, 6-5, three runs in the ninth inning. Look, Gardner struggled today. Judge was 0-5-2, but Didi, Andujar, Torres picked up the slack. Yep. They and really the, picked up the slack. And the pitching, too, over this series has been absolutely incredible. Severino last night was unbelievable. That was, that was, like, that was a matchup last night that I really was uh, – Excited to see the result of that when you have a, like a match like Severino and Keiko, where Keiko has historically owned the Yankees. Yep, that was a that was a great game to watch well, last night. Keiko highlights. Keiko has anything but owned this season. He's one in five. He has not looked great. Yeah, surprisingly, it's been very bad. Um, yeah, and it, it was shocking when I, I when I was looking up his stats last week. He, he has not looked good at all. Yeah, one and five record. You know, three nine eight ERA. I mean, it's definitely not like him. Where, I mean, he's hit that thirty mark. Where you, yeah, that's at the tipping point. Where it's either you're going to keep coasting along, or you're going to really take a sharp decline in your game. And speaking of uh, pitchers, Masahiro Tanaka, surprisingly, well, I wouldn't be too surprised, but he he's looked good. You know. He's four and two record. He didn't. He had a no decision today, but he didn't walk anybody. He had those five strikeouts. 
And overall, I'm really excited to see what he can do on top of Severino. And Sabathia has looked good. He really has. Uh, CC Sabathia coming back from an injury as well, which, you know, quite frankly, you take three out of four against the Astros. The bullpen has been incredible for these Yankees. Not today, but uh, the last couple games in this series. And, folks, wow, breaking news. You guys ready for this? I'm holding at the edge of my seat right now. The New York Knicks have finalized the deal with David Fisdale to become the next head coach, replacing Jeff Hornacek. Where's Fisdale from again? David Fisdale. We're going to have to look that one up. Adam Wojnarowski with the report. And the I know wash. Fisdale's been around as an assistant coach for quite some time. Um, and Fisdale, just 43 years old. He was actually the head coach for Memphis. Yeah. The, Mem- he was the Memphis Grizzlies. For a long time. He was. That's where I remember him. Yeah. Uh huh. And he was an assistant with the Heat for eight years, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, great to see him get this opportunity. He's also a two time NBA champion as yeah. an assistant coach with the Heat, your team. And Memphis, a team that's really struggled. But this guy, you know, he's he's got some tools in his system. Uh, he, let's see if he can have success with this Knicks team. But uh, back to the Yankees, guys. Look, the rotation, it's looked good at times. Sometimes it hasn't. Uh, and, you know, not the best news with Montgomery being out potentially for the next two months, the next six to eight weeks, the left elbow flex and strain. And rookie Domingo German was promoted to the starting rotation, and he actually had four scoreless innings the other night back on Tuesday on May 1st. And David Hale will fill Montgomery's roster spot being promoted from AAA Scranton. So the pitching, a concern for the Yankees coming into the season, and we have really recapped how much better their pitching has been and how their performance has substantially increased. They're getting wins. They're racking them up right now. And to take three out of four from the Astros, that's just not, oh, okay, you won a series. You won a series against an elite American League team, the defending World Series champions. Yeah. Not only did they get three of four, but they got three of four at the Astros' field, Yeah, which last year in the playoffs Minute they main. couldn't do. They couldn't even score last year when they yeah. were in the playoffs at the Astros' field. And to take three of four... Against Verlander, Keuchel, and uh, Lance McCullers, three of their best pitchers. Uh, that's a nice thing to see if you're a Yankees fan. I don't know how the Yankees did it because Verlander the other night, I believe, it was Tuesday on May first. Eight innings pitched, had 14 strikeouts. Yeah, but the pen, I think Mike Giles came in and just blew it up. Gave up four runs in the ninth inning, including that Gary Sanchez three-run bomb. Yep, won the Yankees the game, but um. Look, Houston's pitching, their bullpen has been an issue as of late. And then you have Severino coming back with the complete game, the 10 strikeouts. And he's really been the number one ace. You know, he's really yeah. imp- he's improved from last season. Yeah, he's he's really five good. and one. He's a potential Cy Young. Yeah, he, he really is. And we got to talk about a couple of young players in the Yankees lineup before we wrap them up. And we'll start with Giancarlo Stanton. The two home runs and the 4 nothing win last night. He drove in all four runs. And, Greg. Consider him young? Well, (laughs) 
young to the Yankees, he has really stepped up his game yeah. as of late, and he's finally, finally producing. It was only a matter of time before he started to put up the numbers that he needs to. I mean, $325 million, you're kind of expected to be like, you know, an MVP candidate every single season. And he's been anything but that this year no. so far. But I think ultimately with him, it's it just it was just having to be patient. You know, brand new team. He grew up and has been with the Marlins his entire career. He's not used to being on a new organization. And I think it was just a matter of time before he started to get it together. And I think this could be the turnaround that he needs. You know, a two-home run game. I think he's going to start getting back to the usual yeah. stand, which is a very scary sight because the Yankees are already on such a roll as it is. They are. Taking three out of four from Houston. And when you're getting Giancarlo Stanton going, that's a very, very scary thought. Did you hear what Severino said, what he quoted? I did not. I did not. At the end of the season, he's going to hit 50 homers. He'll have 50 homers at the end of the season. Well, that's not an unrealistic expectation. I, what, he hit 60 last year? <laughs> well, right now he's got seven homers, 19 runs batted in. Severino says, quote-unquote, I don't care what anybody says. He's a great hitter, and he's going to continue doing good stuff. That's pretty good stuff, if you ask me. Listen, last night during the game, they brought up a stat. <laughs> uh, this time of year, last year, Stanton had the same exact stats, meaning seven home runs, 18 RBIs. And he has a better bat- batting average this year at May uh, on May 3rd than he did last year with the Marlins. Look, he's notorious for not the best starts. Yeah. And we've seen that as Stanton, a former Miami Marlin. But another young guy that I want to talk about is Aaron Judge. A lot of people's fan favorite. You know, if, if you're, you know, a lot, a lot of young fans really enjoy watching him play. And I've got to say, Aaron Judge has had an incredible start to his season. Uh, he's really, uh, especially with the rumors and the reports, oh, sophomore slump this, it's been anything but that. And I've got to say, when you have a 312 batting average hitting in the two-hole, Seven homers, 18 RBIs, stats nearly identical to Stanton in terms of numbers, not batting average-wise. Uh, he's second on the team with 34 hits, yeah. only behind Didi, who has one more hit. And he leads the team with 25 walks, guys. Yeah. Let's think about that for a second. Pitchers are scared to pitch to him. I mean, you see all the walks that he's drawing. How has Judge avoided this sophomore slump. I'd like insight from both of you on that. Have you seen the lineup around him? Yeah. Yeah. That is why. Big part of it. That is exactly why. Every single person in that lineup can hit. That's all there is to it. Including Neil Walker, the former Met. Exactly. Anybody in that lineup can hit. <laughs> and fun fact, a nine a nine hitter for the Yankees would be hitting cleanup for the Mets. Yeah. It's not a fun fact. It's depressing. <laughs> Listen, Kyle. obviously the lineup is deep, but I think it comes down to just improvement on his game. I mean, we saw, obviously, he had a huge step from the season before to the one that we saw last year. Yeah. A major step in his career. But the guy's gotten better and better every single season that he's been with the team. And he's learning how to read pitches, which was a big problem in his first season. And we saw the improvement last year. He obviously struck out a lot last year, but he also had a tremendous amount of walks. Yeah. And now we're seeing the same thing and a less amount of strikeouts. Look. Don't forget Star Wars bobblehead night tomorrow night if you're Yankee fans. Go out and get one as they open up the series against the Cleveland Indians. And, look, by one count, there are now two dozen bobbleheads in circulation. So yet another one. Judge the Jedi will be given out Friday night. And, of course, Judge will be fashioned as the Jedi. May the 4th be with you.
Get it? May 4th, Judge Bobblehead Night. <laughs> Greg hates that reference. He hates it so much. I, get, I, I guess you're not a I, Star Wars fan. I'm actually not. To be completely honest, I'm not. I'm not one either, but wow. that... I. I, I like what they do. I know, yeah. I what do know, you think about that? I know, I know that the one-liner. Re- Obviously, I know the reference. May the fourth be with you, because I've I see it everywhere. Because it's you know, may the fourth be with you. <laughs> but I mean, I never was a Star Wars guy. To be completely honest with you, I never got into it. All that like DC Marvel stuff too, yeah. like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I never got into any of that. Not not my cup of tea. Look, and the Astros were making comments how Aaron Judge looks like Sid from Toy Story. It's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that one out there. I actually, the Judge that, that, I actually can see it because I actually have his um, his page up right now. And I'm looking at his page. I actually That's can, a good one. I actually That's can a good one. I can totally Kyle, see that. I don't even I think you were that. born when the first Toy Story came out. No, I think it was, what was it, 98, 99? <laughs> yeah. 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 I wasn't even born. He wasn't even born yet. That's, <laughs> oh, my God. I feel old. That's a, good, that's oh a great God. reference. Look, <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. But, no, really, Aaron Judge has had a phenomenal start to his season. Absolutely. And, Credit to the Yankees lineup, you know, and you think about it, like Greg said, perfect uh, analysis by Greg. If he's in a less stacked lineup, he's more likely to have that sophomore slump because all the pressure is on him. The fact that the Yankees have a stacked lineup, went out and got Giancarlo Stanton, it's relieved a lot of pressure off of Aaron Judge's shoulders, which is why he's gotten a lot of people to rise up in the Bronx. I I like what you did there, Tom. I'm on a roll tonight. Yeah, yeah, you're doing on that note. I should have been, been on my game and had like that, you know, that burn start Look, sound effect. We, had, we had a slow start to that first segment, so I had to pick it up a little bit. <laughs> Sabathio, uh, Sabathio, excuse oh, me. Oh, Sabathio, <laughs> yeah, see, I, did. I just went ice cold there. Uh, CC Sabathia taught himself up too quickly. Uh, you know, I was on a roll too, guys. <laughs> Things happen. CC Sabathia will open up the series tomorrow night against the Cleveland Indians. On Aaron Judge, Jedi Knight, Indians come into the series sixteen and thirteen. Sabathia will start. He's look. He's looked very impressive. What's our outlook for the series? I see the Yankees winning it two out of three. I think the Yankees could honestly like sweep the series. They're just on such a roll. I mean, look what it took for the Houston Astros to take one game away from the Yankees. Yeah, Charlie right. Morton had to pitch lights out, and they only won two to one. You are right. And then the Indians, not that they're a bad team, but they haven't been playing up to the potential that we all saw them going into the season. Yep. And that's obviously shown. And, you know, being back at home, also tremendous, tremendous advantage for the Yankees, especially with these big-time hitters, and they're finally coming out of the slumps, whether it's Sanchez, Giancarlo, and now we see even Miguel Andujar. Yeah. He, he's been phenomenal. He's been great. On that note, Uh, We will step aside for another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about some breaking MLB news. And we will soon have our team of the weeks, which will not be at the top of the hour tonight because we started at 5.15. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Greg Vavernick, Kyle Russo here in the studio. And it is currently 5.59 p.m. We are approaching the top of the hour, but we started at 5.15 tonight. Folks, remember, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments at our call number 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. We are also on Facebook Live. If you're friends with myself, Tommy the Mac McNamara, who's not here tonight, or Greg Vavernick, uh, you can watch us on Facebook. All right. 
Breaking news. Well, not breaking. This has been known for majority of the day now. Ichiro has retired and immediately, Greg, immediately takes a role in the front office. I mean, if it helps the Mariners get their, you know, what together in the front office, then, I mean, hey, it could be a good move. I mean, the guy's been, you know, the most historic player in that team's franchise history. So, I mean, if it helps them develop some talent and get the right people in there in that system to succeed for the future, I'm all for it because I feel like the Seattle Mariners have been stuck in neutral since, like, 2005. Yep. Just, like, going, like, middle of the pack, going nowhere. Can't really develop any prospects. Only prospect they really have was Taiwan Walker, and he's gone. Kyle, uh, Kyle Seeger has been on that team now for a handful of years, and he's just, you know, he's got no help around him. Yeah. Aside from, I mean, Nelson Cruz has been the, a big addition for them, but they've done nothing aside from that. I don't even know. Like, D. Gordon has been so irrelevant since he went over there. You don't even know what he's doing to make him move to center field. I mean, if it helps them in the long run, then fantastic. If not, then you know what? I'm not going to lose sleep over it because it's the Seattle Mariners. They're literally on the other side of the country. Yeah. yeah. This guy is a guy that loves baseball. And obviously, you know, he was getting up there in age. But this is a guy who was saying last year, I want to play till I'm 50 years old. <laughs> and so Mother he, Nature he just, caught up to him. He just he loves the sport so much. So obviously he wanted to continue to be a part of the organization that he started with. And, and that's what he's doing now. Yeah. Ichiro, um, again. 44 years old, and small guy, 5'11", and this is another guy um, that started playing in the major leagues around the time Kyle Russo was born. Um, started in 2001. Some fun facts for you. The Seattle Mariners, he played for them for 11 years. Yeah. And, oh, man. What a guy. Over 3,000 career hits. Phenomenal. Ten-time All-Star. He was the MVP back in 01 when he was also Rookie of the Year. Ten-time Gold Glove winner, three-time Silver Slugger, two-time batting champion, and he led the American League in hits for seven years. Man, and he holds the record for 262 hits in a single season. Yep. So he's an excellent, excellent player. Definite Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, oh, he's got to go in the Hall. He's a one of the greatest player. bats Absolutely. of all time. Absolutely. Greatest bats of all time. I, uh, I saw a stat that if you combined his Japan hits – with his MLB hits, he would lead all batters in hits all time. Yeah, he'd, can... he'd be around 4,200, 4,300, I yeah. think, because he had over 1,000 in, in, uh, for the Oryx Blue Wave as well. Um, transition it, well, Ichiro spent, he spent majority of his career in the American League. Speaking of the American League, the one team that's dominating right now, the Boston Red Sox, 22-8, and eight, Major League best by half a game. Mookie Betts had his fourth career three home run game. Talk about the impact that he's had on this team. He has been phenomenal. I mean, if you like the Red Sox or not, Mookie Betts, wow. And, you know, with Brock Holt out, too, a lot of guys are stepping up and playing well. Chris Sale has been great. Um, You know, early CY Young candidate for sure. I know we're only a month into the season, but he has been tremendous. And when you have a team like the Yankees uh, knocking on the door, you know, not to digress here, but the Yankees really are pushing Boston's buttons right now. And with another series looming soon and Ellsbury returning, the Red Sox, a team that you would think an average team would be in trouble, but Boston, 
continues to pour it on and win baseball games. How have they done it? I honestly have no idea because besides Chris, <laughs> of course you don't have an idea. Besides Chris Sale, I mean Yankee it's really I don't have any idea. Besides Chris Sale, I mean it's that's that's really it at the pitching end of it. And like you said, Tom Mookie Betts has probably been their most consistent hitter and player. I honestly don't know. Yeah. They're winning on defense, and they haven't really played that great of teams as of late. I know they've been playing the Royal uh, the Royals the past couple games, which is not really any competition. One of the worst records in the major leagues. When you compare the two teams together. So this is a very good team. And I remember on our last show I was saying the Yankees got to start winning some games because at the time they were six and a half games behind Boston and they were five and a half games behind Toronto at the time. So, you know, Boston has kind of not slid out of their excellent start but kind of slowed down a little bit. Toronto slowed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. The Yankees started catching up. And Boston just continues to keep on playing and winning games. I mean, it really comes down to the fact that this team can hit. Yeah. I mean, they're a hitting group. I mean, Mookie Betts, I mean. Just carries the team. He really does. I mean, he's hitting 365. He's already got 11 dingers, 21 RBIs. And, you know, their big-time acquisition for this offseason, J.D. Martinez is hitting the ball very well. He's hitting 343. Was signed late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Six, six home runs, 24 RBIs, 343 average. And this team up and down, like they have some big bats in there. Like you know, Andrew Benintendi's only hitting two forty eight, but he's got fifteen RBIs. Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez yeah. having a great year, hitting three eleven. Brock Holt currently on the ten day DL, but he was hitting three forty as well. Mitch Moreland, their first baseman, hitting three twenty three. And who thought we mentioned the name Mitch Moreland as a big bat for this team? And Xander Bogarts, who was hurt for a little bit, he's hitting the cover off the ball too. He's hitting three sixty seven. He's got the best average of them all. Exactly. Like this guy's, they're hitting the ball really well. And it also helps when you have a guy like Chris Sale, too, you know, to lead your pitching staff. I've got to say one thing, though. The Same one stat that really sticks out to me among these hitters, back to Mookie Betts for a second, a slugging percentage of 823. Oh, my goodness. 1274 wow. OPS. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Does this change your opinion on your previous statement? No, I just, I think, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Wow. Listen, I feel like the Yankees are a more all-around team. Uh, when you compare the pitching, I feel like they have more depth, the better bullpen, and just overall better bats. That that's. I mean, in a sense, I actually do kind of agree with him. I I yeah. will agree with you on the statement that you know they're the more complete team, because I think that you know their prospects that have come up have made such an immediate impact. They look like a more all-around, you know, well-rounded group. Yeah. When you look at the Red Sox, it's like, you know, you don't think Eduardo Nunez and Rafael Devers are a big aspect of this team. No. Yep. And you don't think that at all. It's like they're just, you know, there. Yep. And Rafael Devers, I mean, the guy's only 21, so he's got a lot more to go before he really develops into something. But with the Yankees, you see, like, the immediate impact all these guys are having. With the Red Sox, it's like these are a lot more guys that have been there for a little bit and had some experience. So you're kind of expecting them to put up like you know a solid season. The pitching staff I think favors Boston a little bit more just because when you have like, like Chris Sale and Rick Porcello and I mean Eduardo Rodriguez is not having a great year, but David Price is decent. You know three yeah. seven eight ERA. I mean he's decent. Yep. Yeah. But you know Drew Pomerantz is just getting shellacked. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean the Yankees pitching staff is. The stars at least are so hit or miss for the most part, with the exception of like Severino, who's you know turned into a scion candidate every year. 
So, I mean, I think the pitching staff favors Boston, but as a more well-rounded team, I agree with Kyle. I would give that to the Yankees. Yeah. And one other thing about the Red Sox and the Yankees, they will, it was announced, they will be playing in London next year. The last two days of June, June 29th and June 30th, neither of you seem to be a fan of this. I mean, what are they going to do, have tea and crumpets right after their game's over? I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just, you know, a marketing opportunity to try and bring baseball overseas and... It's America's game. They're trying to make it more of like the world's game, but they'll never they'll never touch soccer in that aspect. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind the whole international thing. You know, when it comes to like Japan and China and the Dominican Republic, those because those, those, those are like where they're getting most. Like that's right. How many British play, players are in the major leagues? Is there even any British players? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. I can't like, imagine that there is. I'm sure, like. Maybe one American British, but not like British British. If you know, do what they I mean. do yeah. they even have a team in the World Baseball Classic? Uh, <laughs> oh boy, I don't think so. But On that note, switching gears to the National League, we got to talk about the Diamondbacks. You know, we spoke about how good the Red Sox have been, but the team with the best record in the National League, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who I will be going to see in June. I will be making an excursion to Phoenix to watch the Mets and the Diamondbacks. Um, my uncle lives out in Phoenix, so I'm really excited for this team. Uh, A.J. Pollock, the National League Player of the Month, 10 home runs, 25 runs batted in, and he's only part of the story why the Diamondbacks are 22-9 and nine and have the best record in the NL. Patrick Corbin. Pat Corbin, 4-0, 2.25, earned run average, and that's in addition to guys like Robbie Ray, Zach Granke. And Robbie Ray's and Granke are having... Terrible years. Yeah. yeah. They are terrible. This is a slugging team right here. But you have guys like Zach Godley, who's picked up the slack, in addition to Pat Corbin. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah Corbin, you know, 4-0 in six starts, 2-2-5 ERA. It's kind of like it's like, you know, it's Robbie, it's uh, Patrick Corbin's turn this year. It was Robbie Ray's turn last year to be like the start of the rotation to come out yeah, of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like this year, it's like, all right, this time it's going to be Patrick Corbin. Because Zach Granke is having a terrible year. People forget yeah. something, too. The Diamondbacks made the playoffs last year, and they won the wild card game. They made it to the divisional series. They yeah. are a dangerous, dangerous team. Look, you got Goldschmidt. A.J. Pollock and David Peralta hitting 300, and they're so, like, like an unknown. Like, A.J. Pollock is having such a great year, and nobody even knows who this guy is. Yeah, He's hitting 300 on the money. Ten home runs. He's got twenty-five RBIs. Leads the team. Paul Goldschmidt's only hitting two fifty-five. He's got four home runs and eleven RBIs. He's not doing anything. This offense is running through AJ Pollock. I guarantee you, go to any casual baseball fan in New York, they will not even know who this guy is. Well, I do for reasons. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we kind of have to. Well, Pollock is on my fantasy team in addition to Didi, which I mean, I check every so often. But um, <laughs> I gotta check how my team's doing. Actually, yeah, I think you're still undefeated in our league. But, I believe um, I am. Pollock, not surprised. Yeah, actually, I took the L to Greg last week. I didn't even realize. I think yes, I checked it did. once the whole week. <laughs> but um, yeah, check that man. Pollock, yeah, Pollock leading the team in doubles, stolen bases as well, and he has a 300 average. He's really been hitting quite nicely with a 691 slugging percentage. They have the best record in the NL. The Braves have been very surprising. Young, talented team we talked about before. Uh, you know, the National League East will might be a dogfight for a while between four teams yeah, for quite Chicago, some time. Milwaukee, yeah, Colorado. And you're looking at this right now. 
don't be surprised if the Mets drop to third or fourth by the end of May. Yeah. I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either, and I really don't want to think about that. Yeah. Um, one final thing on baseball. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays. I'd like to spend a minute or two on them. Um, overall, for the season, they've been playing well. They've been playing respectable. And part of it is because a pitcher who has struggled, but he's been starting to emerge, one of the best sliders in the game is Marcus Stroman, a young guy that a lot of people really didn't know heading into this season. And, Greg, you were talking about it earlier. Another under-the-radar guy. People know him, but people may not know him in terms of, like, uh, you know, your Aaron Judge and Carlos Stanton is Josh Donaldson. Yeah, Josh Donaldson, you know, he's came into this season, you know, having a year where it's you never really knew what you were going to get out of him yeah. just because of the simple fact that, you know, he started off the year and first thing, you know, you look at this guy, he, he comes out after the first game is like, yeah, I can tell I have, I have dead arm. Yeah, I know. And Blue Jays fans are like, oh, fantastic. Well, he's been playing better. He's been yeah. he's been doing well. He had a great game today. Uh, he had uh, two hits, uh, one of them being a two- or three-run home run. Um, so he's doing well now that he's back in the lineup for the Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez has been a great guy for that. He's a He just got called up to the big league squad for the Blue sure Jays. Sure has, yeah. 292, four home runs. He's been doing very well. But really... The story, if you want to talk about a story and an under-the-radar guy, Yankee fans kind of know him, actually, a little well. But Jan Gervis Solarte yeah. Yeah. is having an awesome year. His batting average doesn't show it, but he is the big bat in the lineup. Jan Gervis Solarte, at 30 years old, former prospect for the Yankees, who then bounced around to a couple different teams, including I think the Padres was one of them. He's now got seven home runs this year. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this, when they played the Yankees, he hit an absolute bomb. Yeah, this is a team that, you know, there's not a lot of guys where they have a major pop where it's like, wow. Yeah. Like, they all have very solid bats. You know, Justin Smoke has turned into a superstar overnight with this team, and he's having a solid start to the year. But, you know, the Blue Jays are not doing too bad. They aren't. And just like the pitching's got to get it together. Right. And like we brought up Donaldson and Stroman, you know, local guy from Medford, New York, same town Tommy Mack is from. Just 27 years old, went to Patchogue Medford High School. So if you're from Long Island, you probably know who Stroman is. He went on to play at Duke, and he's been quite successful at the major league level so far. On that note, we're going to take a quick one-minute break. When we come back, we will have our team of the week, and we will start reviewing and previewing the NBA playoffs. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. <laughs> Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview. We are halfway through our show. It is 6.15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time here at the studios of WCWP. You can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments tonight at 516-299-2030. Uh, just confirmed, Johnny Montalbano will call for a couple minutes later and we'll talk some football with him, draft news. But for now, it's our team of the week, guys. Uh, let's get to our team of the week. Kyle, we will start with you. I'm going to go with the New York Yankees. Have won 13 in the last 15. Our last show, they were at 8-8. Eight and eight. They finally, we've seen, we know what the potential of this team was, and now we're finally seeing it on the field. Uh, 
the coming together of Giancarlo Stanton, Didi and Judge uh, leading, uh, being leaders and the stats approving it, and then even the young talent that we've seen brought in over this uh, over the course of this last month in Gleyber Torres, Miguel Andujar, Tyler Austin. You know, a lot of Yankees fans argued that Greg Bird was potentially their best hitter, and when he went down, that was possibly a major loss. And yeah. Tyler Austin has filled that hole very nicely. The pitching has come together, whether it's Sabathia, Severino, Tanaka, and uh, and the relievers, too. Greg, that's a good pick, Kyle. Greg, who is your team of the week? Uh, my team of the week for me is going to be the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, they've been taking care of business in their... Uh, low-key plug for one of the shows we have here at WCWP. But um, the Warriors have also been doing very well in the playoffs, you know, rolling right through the first round, already up two games on the Pelicans. And, you know, they got Steph Curry back, and with this team, when Steph Curry's on that on the floor for them, they are like a machine that just can't be stopped. And you saw it in Game 2 against the Pelicans, you know, only a five-point win, but having Steph Curry back made such a big difference for the Warriors. And, and I think now that they have, a, like, a full squad, I think they're going to make another deep run of the playoffs, and uh, they're my team of the week. My team of the week, we're going football, but we're not going NFL. Uh, we are going college huh? football. My team of the week is Notre Dame. And Why? My reasoning is yeah. because they, what are they, doing? they have landed – several top recruits on their offensive line and Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey both go in the top 10 of the NFL draft and when was the last time you've seen two offensive linemen from the same school go top 10 in the NFL draft that's a good point Tom but (laughs) during the break you were talking about you probably know who this is I that was that was uh, a, that that a thin me, air right there that threw I I had no idea really that threw you off during the break during the break you told me how this pick is going to upset me. I was expecting you to go along lines like the Utah Jazz because they manhandled the Thunder. That came out of left field, not yeah. going to lie. That surprised wow. Kyle and I. Wow. I, I was, was very I was surprised. surprised. I thought you guys uh, no, had, I, had no, an idea. I didn't hear that. Wow. No, I, I mean, because it's been the off season for, what, like <laughs> three months yeah, with college football? And so look, I'm like, they, had the, they have their game scheduled against Alabama in 2028, so that's another reason why they've been doing oh, things. things. Only got to wait another, along. what, decade for that matchup? Yeah, we'll be in our 30s <laughs> by then. I'm going to be 28. But anyway, oh my God, I'll be in my thirties. That is my team of the week. A little curveball, a little off kilter, but it's okay. We have outlandish <laughs> off teams. Off kilter is right. Um, <laughs> on that note, we will transition to the NBA. All right. So the Celtics and Cavaliers both survive Game Seven. They advance to Round Two. Boston takes care of Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks and Chris Middleton. They fall just short. Malcolm Brogdon and them as well. Excellent series for both teams. Milwaukee defied a lot of odds, but Terry Rozier and the Celtics prevail. And the Cavaliers, LeBron does it again. Scores over 40 points in Game 7. LeBron is untouchable in Game 7. Are we surprised, though? No. No. Exactly. With that being said, the Raptors in 6 over the Wizards. Wizards won two games. I was a little surprised they won two. I thought one. Wall and Beal, solid backcourt, just not enough around them. Yeah, they got to figure out that team because they I do. Mean, with a lineup like that, having Wall and Beal in the backcourt, that should be enough to get you out of the first round. It's just something. It's like I, I'm, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the show. So with that team, you look at the Wizards, and you just know that there's just something missing. Yeah, yep. There's something just there. They have a solid starting five. They do, but they, but it's there's something missing. Yep. 
and it's just like I to this to this very second I just can't put a finger on what it is, but I know there's something missing. I don't know if they need another star because I mean Wall and Beal are fantastic yeah. players, but maybe it's just the they need the addition of another big star in that team to get them over the hump. But there's just they're such a solid team. They make the playoffs every year, but there's just something that just holds them back, and they're just like they're, I feel like they're just one player away. But I. Yeah. But it's really it just could easily just be they need another star in there, but you just don't know what position is the, the obvious choice is that they need a three. But you know, there's they need another big player in there, but you just yeah, don't know who could fit in there. It's very troublesome. Yeah, um, maybe Kawhi. The Ooh. Sixers win in five. Kyle Russo was the only person to pick the Miami Heat. Uh, look, I will give you this: Miami had a very competitive series. Yeah. Wade showed up, Dragic showed up, but. Joel Embiid coming back in that series and looking like he was a phantom of the opera. Yeah, with that mask. Uh, ben Simmons and Dario Saric. It was just too much, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, the Sixers advanced to round two. Yep. Um, moving over to the West, the Jazz top the Thunder in six. I'm going to be very careful with how I word this here. The post-game <laughs> altercation at the end of Game Six with Russell Westbrook and the fans in Utah. What are your thoughts on this? And I'll give you my pitch here. I didn't like it from both ends, all right? Yeah. If you're the fan, all right, just keep your mouth shut. You won the game. You know you won the game. You know Russell Westbrook is going to react. Don't say anything. And if you're Russell Westbrook, I don't care what the fans said. You don't react. You're a professional athlete. I understand sometimes it's hard to keep your emotions in, especially when you're not in your own arena. But you're one of the faces of the league, man. And then to go into the post-game interview and then continue to talk about it, it's just both both sides are at fault. I agree with you. Both sides are at fault. There's two sides to it. As an NBA star, especially like a true star like Westbrook, you're bred throughout your entirety, especially when you're brought immediately brought into the league, and even when you're getting ready to go into the draft coming out of college, you're taught to tune out the noise. Because that's all, this was noise. Yeah. yeah. That got very personal. It did. Yeah. And, you know, Westbrook, I don't, I don't blame him for acting the way he did because, after all, these are, they're still humans at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah. And you're allowed to, you know, be upset yeah. when someone's making such harsh things right. and like claims and like they're just spitting these things at you. You're a human. You're allowed to get pissed off. I would be pissed off too. Right. So it's it's a human reaction to get that pissed off. I get it. Like you know, face of the league. You know, you have to be above that, which is very true, and you have to learn to tune out that noise. But this is this also comes down to those fans because you got there's there's a line between heckling. And just being a jerk. Yeah. And I think that these fans crossed the line. And I think Westbrook's reaction to those statements were completely fine with me because I would react the same way. And, I mean, to call out just the entire fan base, a little extreme. But, I mean, I think Westbrook had every right to be pissed off because the fans went too far. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Both sides are at fault because Westbrook should know to be a little bit above that. Mm -hmm. But... I don't blame him for acting the way he did. It's just a human reaction. Now, we all played high school sports, and, like, 
I don't know. It, you'd expect it more on that level because growing up, like playing basketball, baseball, whatever it was, when you were a good team, when you had good players, you always had targets on your back. When when, when you guys of lost course. the game, yeah. you, you know the other team was storming onto the field or the court, wherever it was. Especially if you were an elite high school team, yeah, right? I know Comac yeah. has a lot of elite sports. Yep. Somebody upsets you guys, like that's going to happen. Yeah. Like things happen. I don't care how good you're. You're not going to win every game. Not everything's going to go your way. It's it's not who's better or who's worse. It just happens. Yeah, absolutely. And back to the whole Westbrook predicament. Obviously, listen, the fan is wrong, but you should know as a, just as a player in the league, you you never put your hands on a fan because he he hit he hit a fan. He hit not a big deal. He hit his hand, but still, never physical contact. Yeah, and completely understand Westbrook's side of it. You know. Apparently in the press conference, the fans were yelling at him about his family and stuff like that. That's a boundary that you don't cross. But oh, in yeah. this game... You bring, you bring a family, that's game over. In I don't this care game, who I am. Russell Westbrook, I mean, he's playing for Paul George. And, they're just not, and they weren't playing for him. I mean, Westbrook dropped 40 points and Paul George dropped 5 and Carmelo dropped 7. Carmelo is a cancer on that team. I oh he's got to go on a, on any team go. on any yep. team. He's yeah, got to go. Now, now it's official. It's on any team. Oh man! Because oh, now you so had true. the point guard and oh. you had the power forward. Small. They're forward. done. Hopefully they. Will. I really. They need a. They need a better player. They need Carmelo to go. They're stuck. Yeah. They. I know they're stuck with him. It's a twenty-eight. It's a twenty-eight million dollar option, and it's his option too. Yeah. Oh. Another. A couple other notes. The other three first round series. To relieve some stress off of Greg here, the Please. the Rockets win in five against the Timberwolves. Terrible. The Pelicans sweep the Blazers. Little surprised, um, but the Warriors edge the Spurs in five. Now, my questions are this: Does Pop return? No. Does Ginobili return? Does Parker return? Do any of them return? Does Kawhi return? I think the biggest question mark is: I think this team. The Spurs are just too old. Yeah. They are too old. Yeah. They are way too old, and they're on the downslope. I don't know if they make the playoffs next year. Honestly, I... Not with the I'm, way this West is coming up. Now you see teams like Denver. They lost guys in key moments when they were unhealthy. That could be a team coming up, and, uh, and other teams throughout the West. Even the Clippers. I mean, they even made a push towards Look, the end of the season. Pop, I don't know if Pop coaches another game after that, to no, be honest. sad to say. It just changes your atmosphere of life. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... It's a I mean, what happened to him Awful. is unfortunate. Awful. It's yeah. so terrible for anybody. In the middle anybody. of a series. In, like, a series when it's, like, you like, it's it's so yeah. awful. And apparently I mean, his wife was actually getting better yeah, in the recent that weeks. Was that was reported by uh, Danny Green and said that yeah. she had been uh, ill for a long time, though. Very unfortunate. So, very unfortunate. I think the big thing in terms of the basketball aspect I mean, the Spurs, I think, might be like, they're, it's not that far away now. It's, you know, they're coming up close to, you know, they might have to go on a full rebuild soon. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, when, like, Tony Parker and Amanda Ginobili, they're getting close to their AARP cards soon. Yeah. And, you know, they need some replacements for those guys because, you know, Ginobili's been a force on this team since he had hair. And now the guy's a chrome dome. So, you know, this they need some. Ginobili could be Kyle's dad. Oh yeah, that's, that's true. That, that is, is very, true. That is very true. <laughs> that's true. So you know, it's they have to get younger, and I personally, this whole Kawhi situation for me, it's it worries me because I really don't think that Kawhi is honestly going to be back with the Spurs next year. No, I don't think that anybody's. You know, I don't think the Spurs trust his camp right now. 
And I think right now, I would not be surprised if I see Kawhi hit the open market. Well, not the open market, but be traded. L.A. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. If they can't, know. if they can't land Paul George, I would not be surprised to see the Lakers make a huge run. I'm excited for this off season, but right now we're still in playoff mode and round two looming. Curry returns for game two. The Warriors are up two nothing against the Pelicans after a 121-116 win the other night, and Stephen Curry came off the bench in that game. was incredible. Yeah. He will start game three. Yeah, and Golden State is looking nothing but up from here. This is a very scary team. I'm quite frankly, I'm looking. If it's a Rockets Warriors conference final, I'm looking forward to that. James Harden versus Kevin Durant. Absolutely. And I still would, and I still would pick the Warriors to win that series. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> yeah, you know, Curry missed 37 games this season. Yeah, and when he's been in the lineup, they've been producing. Yeah, uh, I mean, not surprisingly, he came out of the game too. <laughs> like he's been playing every game this season, and their bench is deep. You know, you have a lot yeah. of vet- former yeah. veteran starters. David West started a lot of games for several different teams. The Hornets, the Pacers, Sean Livingston and his Spurs. time with Brooklyn. Yeah, West with the Spurs as well. Uh, you know, Golden State has nothing to go but up from here. The Pelicans, I think, uh, quite frankly, I don't know if they were supposed to be in round two. I feel like a lot of people were picking Portland in this series, but quite frankly, if there was one team to get an upset, it would be New Orleans. I didn't really see the Jazz, and I saw the Jazz and the Thunder kind of like as a coin flip. Uh, I think the Pelicans were clear underdogs in the series without the Marcus Cousins, and they found the way. Drew Holiday was phenomenal. In my opinion, all due respect to Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday was the MVP of that series because Davis could have still played well and Portland could have came out victorious. Lillard... And McCollum did not show up because Holiday locked them down. Rondo locked them down. Two great defenders in your backcourt. That's why they're in round two. Uh, the other series, you know, the Jazz beat the Thunder. They play the Rockets. Utah surprised Houston last night. A 116-108 win. Joe Ingles had 27 points. Joe Ingles is a bad man, man. And I have one thing to say about Joe Ingles. That man might be the most underrated player in the Western Conference. The guy looks like he could be my social Maybe. studies teacher. Maybe. And he's producing Maybe. like this for the Jazz. I love this Jazz team. They're just so fun to watch because it's a bunch of guys coming out of nowhere. The Jazz were expected to do, uh, to do nothing this season, especially with the loss of Gordon Hayward in free agency. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell. Did you see that putback slam last yes. night again? Oh, my God. Fell out of my chair. He's like, this is ridiculous what this kid has been able to do. And he's still not going to probably win Rookie of the Year. No, and he's not. It's a shame. Yep. Really he's is. the rookie. Ben yep. Simmons is not a rookie. It's yep. his first official year in the league, but I I want Donovan Mitchell as Rookie I of the want, Year. Yep. I think mm-hmm. it should be Mitchell, but, I mean. It's going to be Simmons. It's, it's going to be, be Simmons. Be from, a, from a popularity base, it's, it's going to be Ben Simmons. And it's yeah. also because, you know, you're comparing Philadelphia to Utah. middle of nowhere Utah. Right. Yeah. Well, they have more probably mountains than people. Even though if you're a New Yorker, uh, I think you're more drawn towards Donovan Mitchell being from Greenwich, Connecticut, attending Louisville for just two years and being successful in his first year. You know, a lot of these guys that come out early, you know, there's been a lot of trouble and scandals in Louisville right now, and Donovan Mitchell to come out and play at such a high level, quite frankly, it's been very impressive to me. And I think Utah, out of these two series— if there was, I'm not saying Utah's going to win their series, 
but they are standing in the way of Houston and the conference finals. I think if there is one upset series in the Western Conference, Utah has a much better shot at advancing than New Orleans does, if you want to compare the two. I think so, Yeah, because Utah's a more complete team. I think Utah can extend this series to at least six games. I think they can, too. Utah I think at home seven. has been... Utah at home has been incredible. I think Utah loses in seven, quite frankly. I Utah think is turning into a tough place to play in these yeah. playoffs. Yeah, they really are. Look, Joe Ingles from Happy Valley, Australia, he, he's been incredible. Seven yeah, to nine behind the, the background, too. Joe Ingles, like some random guy. <laughs> it's like I said, he looks like he could be a social studies teacher. Yeah, but he's only 30. And the guys like <laughs> from Happy Valley, Australia. Look, I had to bring that up. Rudy Gobert has been great. Derek Favors back has been good as well. Uh, Ricky Rubio defensively Ricky has been Rubio nice. Rubio has turned into a scorer, not only a defender, which he was known for on the Timberwolves for so long. Yeah. And that's really been impactful for this Utah team. And don't forget Jay Crowder. 15 points, yeah. 10, 10 boards. Oh, Double-double. I, I forgot Crowder was there. Double-double. Yeah. Um, We'll go over our picks in just a minute. Uh, the Eastern Conference, two semis. Jalen Brown is doubtful for the Celtics tonight, who are up one nothing on the Sixers in their series. A lot of people are picking the Sixers, but this is going to be a very, very interesting series, I think, because Boston is down two guys, but three tonight. Brown is 95% sure he's not playing. Boston's now down three stars. But the reason why they got past Milwaukee was because of Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum. These young guys have been producing for them and stepping up for an uh, injured guy like Kyrie Irving, like a Gordon Hayward. And don't forget, you have Al Horford, a veteran there as well, and I think the guys, the young guys circling around Al Horford under his leadership have helped them get to where they are now. Yep. If the Celtics win this game and tonight... Brad Stevens, of course, coaching. Yeah. If the Celtics <laughs> win this game tonight, especially without Jalen Brown on top of the other two guys, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, Brad Stevens is coach of the year because this Sixers team is so dominant, and to and to not have any of your guys really, I mean to have a rookie and Jason Tatum carry the team, Al Horford's turning into a scorer, Terry Rozier out of nowhere, uh, this is unbelievable. Look, talent wise, Philly is the better team. Oh, without a doubt. Without but a doubt. coaching wise and experience wise, Brad Stevens clearly Boston and Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is probably one of the best coaches in the NBA. Yep, top three. I think top two, actually. Yeah, probably top two. You know? I'll probably go him and Pop. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. Um, Before we get to our picks, guys, the Cavaliers beat the Raptors in OT. Oh, my goodness. At the end of regulation, I'm looking. You know, Van Vliet, ice cold, shoots a three, and then you get two offensive rebounds. DeRozan can't finish, and then Valanciunas, the ball spins out. Once that ball spun out from Jonas Valanciunas, you oh. you knew Cleveland was going to win. Yeah. Oh yeah. You knew the Cavs were going to win. You knew Cleveland was going to win for like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. They they missed eleven of the last shots in the fourth quarter. They yeah. they couldn't put the ball in the hoop. I mean they they practically handed Cleveland the game because yeah. everything said that Toronto was going to win this game. They were leading the entire game, and then the fourth quarter came, and they just could not yeah. close out this game. And quite frankly, another thing that I wanted to say before we get to our picks is that. The Raptors, they need Lowry and DeRozan to both match what LeBron is doing in this series. And guys like Kyle Korver, a role player like him, uh, Kevin Love getting some key rebounds late. All right, enough of that. Let's get to our picks. Um, The Cavs at the Raptors, game two tonight, 6 p.m., ESPN. 
I think Toronto wins to tie up the series and make it 1-1 before going to Cleveland. But I think that the Cavaliers will win this series in seven games again. I never count out LeBron in any playoff series, no matter what. The guy is the best in the league, probably, in my opinion, the second best to ever do it. I will never discount him in anything he does, especially in the playoffs. Yep. I'll go Cavs in six, and I believe that the Cavs will take this one tonight because I, especially after how the first game ended, uh, I think this could be a dirty game where you, where you see a lot of techs yeah. thrown up. Yeah. This, this, this will definitely be an aggressive, hard-played defensive game. You know, yeah. I It, it could be. It could, really could be because you have a lot of guys with hot tempers, especially yeah. on Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, do we all think Cleveland – wins the series yeah absolutely yeah yeah all due credit to toronto being the one seed another tremendous year lebron is as long as lebron is on that team cleveland's going to keep advancing yep the other series uh the sixers at the celtics game two tonight on tnt by the way the Cavs and raptors are underway already they started at six uh Sixers at Celtics, game two on TNT tonight, 8.30 p.m. Let's see what the score of that game is, actually. Yeah, we'll get an update on that in just a moment. Boston hosting the Sixers. Uh, I think that the Sixers will win tonight, but I think Boston wins in seven. I think we see two seven-game series, and I think the Celtics are victorious in this series. The reason why is because the Sixers are very athletic, and without Jalen Brown tonight, if Jalen Brown was playing, I say Boston goes up 2-0 and they win in six. But without Jalen Brown, this goes to seven. Sixers win tonight, and I say the Celtics in seven to move on. Surprisingly for me, I think the Celtics will go in six. And I, Suns telling me that the Celtics are going to win this game tonight. They're just so well coached. And such a great team altogether. They just have such chemistry for a team that hasn't been playing with each other for a long time. I mean, yeah. this looks like a team who's been playing for years together. I mean, half half these guys were guys that were coming off the bench last season or guys that are rookies like Tatum and Rozier, who was nothing basically last year in, a, in effect, considering that they had a guy like Isaiah Thomas. Tatum's 19. 19, 20. I think he might be 20 now. He's 19, 20 years old. I know he was born in 98, but that's crazy. So, yep. This that that was one of the guys that coming out of the draft. I was really hoping that for the Knicks' sake they were able to grab him. He's a dookie. Hey, you yeah. got Frank. I mean, that's yeah. Tatum is twenty now. For the back of the career of six man that never really was a starter anywhere in France. Uh, Great pick. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Before we go to break, I have a score update for you when you're ready. Sure. Let's hear it. Uh, minute 14 left in the first quarter. Raptors currently lead 27-26. Wow. Kyle Lowry leading score for the Raptors, and Kevin Love the leading score for the Cavs with 10 points each. Would you look at that? Great to see Kevin Love getting involved. Uh, Western Conference, Warriors in four. Yep. Warriors in four. Yeah. yeah. No chance. Yeah. This is not Portland. The Pelicans had it easy. For some reason, in this series, I feel bad for Dame Lillard, though. I do too. Um, I feel bad for Anthony Davis. I mean, yeah. think about it. 
forty something points every night Look, in Portland. If they have the if they <laughs> have Demarcus Cousins and all to get swept. If they have Demarcus Cousins, I think they win one of those first two games, but I don't think they win any more, even yeah. even with Cousins in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, look, great role players in Etwan Moore, Ian Clark, Darius Miller, Chuck Diallo, Meritage, Meritage as well. Excellent shooter, excellent scorer all, all around. But uh, the Warriors will sweep this one in four. Yeah. The Pelicans have no shot. Yep. Yeah. No shot. No shot. Nope. No shot at all. Final series. Rockets, Jazz, Rockets in seven. This is where it might get interesting. I feel like one of you two are going to pick Utah. I really want to, but I don't know. I I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick Utah. Wow. I'm going to pick Utah too. I'm, I'm going to pick Utah. Oh, wow. I'm going to pick Utah. I, just, I love watching. Really, I think they're you Utah. I'm going to write I mean, this down. I think Let's, that you know, write this down. They're both such. I think that you know, evenly matched. Kind they're of. so evenly matched for the most part. But at the end of the day, Houston's going to rely on Harden. Yeah. And when Harden is not getting the uh, superstar calls to get to the foul line to shoot 18 free throws a game, I think that you know Utah is just a better team in terms of just overall scoring. Yeah. And I think that the Jazz could, you know, take it to Houston. I I really I think the Jazz have a very legitimate shot to take this to 7 and and beat the Rockets. And then and then probably lose to the Warriors. Yeah. Crazy stuff, guys. Yeah. Crazy stuff. But hey, anything can happen. It's the playoffs, right? Yep. Don't forget Chris Paul, he wants his first ring. Let's see if he can get it. On that note, we're going to step aside for another quick break when we come back. Football time. Let's go over the NFL draft. Do you like who your Jets got? What about your Giants? Tune in, review and preview, WCWPSports.org. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. It's Greg Bavernick, Kyle Russo here with me in the studio. Time to get to our NFL draft. We will be broadcasting our show until 7.15 p.m. tonight due to the LIU Post women's lacrosse game. We started 15 minutes late because of that reason. Let's go over these top 10 picks, guys. Draft night, it was great, awesome, lived up to the expectations, loved it. Uh, It started off with the Cleveland Browns, and we were debating about this for a very long time. And then just a day or two before the draft, the Browns picked Baker Mayfield, and I have my theory as to why. New England was threatening to trade up Potentially, with the Giants for I got number a, two. I got a theory. Well, well, Baker's agent did say that the Patriots were very serious about trading up, so it wouldn't surprise me. That's who they want because they lost Garoppolo. So, I, you know, but talk, you, I got what a drop off. You got Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield. Look, like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the second coming of Brady, and then you have Baker Mayfield, who's going to be the next head case in the and NFL. That is why the success in New England will not continue twenty years down the line from now. You know, because yeah. they're I don't not think it makes it four more years. Here's a, here's Brady a wants to play five more. Here's a theory. If he keeps eating that avocado ice cream, he might. You guys, have you guys ever seen the movie Draft Day? Ice cream. Draft I had, Day with Kevin and I Costner. watched it the night before the draft. Yep. That, what? That's. Have you ever seen the movie Draft Day? Kevin Costner. Oh, I love Jennifer that Park. movie. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. It, it defines the Cleveland Browns. This franchise. draft was dependent was on awesome. characteristics and personality. Awesome draft. Everybody Everything. knew Sam Darnold was the number one overall pick. Everybody knew that Rosen could have gone one. Everybody knew that Josh Allen could have gone one. But, What's and the then, and then went with Baker. Personality. 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 All had problems. We all saw what came out about Josh Allen a day before the draft. We know Rosen. He has terrible character issues. Heard that he 
wasn't really a team player. And Sam Darnold, I like a lot, and I think he has the great potential That's right. to be a good quarterback. But he just doesn't seem like a vocal guy. No. And I think that could really affect the locker room. Look, I'm going to say one thing. Mayfield goes one. Yeah. And, yeah, Rosen dropped the 10, but we'll get to that in just a minute. I just – I really think selecting Mayfield at one was the right thing for Cleveland. Yeah. For Cleveland. Because yeah. you've seen how many quarterbacks have come and gone. And I think Mayfield is the least likely to bust out of those four. Yeah. I think he's the least likely. I don't think the other three will. I don't think I I I I think two of them are. I'll get to that in just a minute. But um, the Giants select Saquon Barkley at number two, and this was debated all off year. Yeah, since the turn of January, and Tommy Mack thought the Giants were going to take a quarterback. This I thought they were talk, the Giants were going to take go, a quarterback. I thought they were going to Giants are going to take quarterback. License play guy Joe Ruback. Giants are going to take a quarterback. All along, I knew the Giants will not take a quarterback with the number two pick. I got to give myself a little credit for having the faith that the Giants will take a non-quarterback at the number two position, Saquon Barkley, to the New York Football Giants, the best player in the draft. Week after week on this show, I said Giants taking Barkley, and why? These quarterbacks—they all have so many red flags. Even I like Baker; he's my favorite guy. But these quarterbacks have the most red flags that I've ever seen. I, the, none of these guys really look like they can become the next Manning, the next Breeze, the next anything. They they really don't. They have so many flags. So why not go with the guaranteed guy who could help you, who could be the guy that can revitalize an offense yep. who hasn't scored 30 points in over two years? They go with the surefire Bar- guy. They, they needed a breakout guy like Barkley with how bad the offense has been. Gettleman addressed. How oh, bad the running game has been. Gettleman, yeah. And yeah. now to have Stewart as a backup, change of pace guy, you still have Wayne Gallman and, Por- and Paul Perkins as the three and four. Look at your four backs now. Look, Perkins isn't going to play. Gallman's not going to play that much. He'll be a special teams guy. Stewart will come in every so often. Yeah. Barkley is going to be on the field 90% of the time. I fully yeah. expect Barkley to get probably 40 carries a game at this rate. Look, I'm thinking, and it relieves so much pressure off of Eli. He doesn't have to throw for 4,000 yards anymore, quite frankly. Here, here, listen to this. On the night of the draft, I saw this on Twitter, and I took a picture of it. Barkley at the combine was stronger than Joe Thomas, quicker than Deshaun Jackson, faster than Devin Hester, Heard and jumped that. higher than Julio Jones. Why not go with the surefire guy? Why take a risk and set back your franchise when you could have the, Look, the surefire Guaranteed guy. The Giants got who they wanted. The Jets got who they wanted. Not as I, in my opinion, I think Baker was going to be the guy the Jets wanted. Yeah, I believe because yeah. I even I even watched videos of the Jets draft day when they made the call to Darnold, and when I heard uh, almost Todd Bowles, I almost forgot our head coach's name for a second. Uh, when I heard Bowles's comment was like we didn't when he was on the phone with Darnold, I was like Sam we didn't think we were gonna get you yeah I immediately knew like it was just like that was like the light bulb moment I'm like all right so they definitely were gonna take Baker yeah and this was their backup option and honestly I'm so split on the pick I, I saw your reaction on Snapchat I think that yeah I think that Darnold is gonna be the best quarterback out of all of them personally agreed yeah um the only thing is just simply the fact that he is from USC, scares it me. just scares the hell out of me. Mark Sanchez, part two. Yeah, it's just the only quarterback. 
since 2000, since the millennium, oh boy. that has come out of USC and done anything is Carson Palmer. Yep. And he's barely done anything except yep. get hurt a lot yeah. and yeah. have some decent seasons here and there. But like aside from that, you have guys like John David Booty, Matt Leinart, Mark Sanchez, yeah. Matt Barkley to come from USC. Not a good list. And that is a quite terrible list. Those sound like guys that could probably be serving me a hamburger at five guys these days. And they are just historically just such a bad group of quarterbacks to come out of that school. It scares me. But I think that Darnold is the most you know, promising out of this group because um, my buddy Mike put it the best way. He thinks with these four quarterbacks, although I've been a big fan, of, I've always wanted Rosen just because with the fact they traded up to three, I felt they could have got Baker at six from the beginning. Yeah. Ultimately, that wasn't the case, which is why I wanted Rosen. Darnold, I think, has the, I think Darnold has the best, Darnold has the highest ceiling out of all these quarterbacks in terms of with all the development. But I think Baker is the most ready right now yes. to step in and help his team. I think Allen's a big-time project. And Rosen, he's probably going to be the best passer out of all of them. But I think that he could be a little bit of a project, too. Well, he but, won't start till midseason yeah. when Bradford you know, blows out his knee again. Yeah. What's weird is, uh, the words about to come out of my mouth, is that whoever was drafted by the Browns at number one for the quarterback situation was going to be in the best situation. Because bottom line, what the Browns did this offseason, the acquisition of Jarvis Landry, you know, you spent the money on the offensive line last offseason, you have a running back in Carlos Hyde, and you drafted Nick Chubb, and you fix your defense – you yes. got a corner like Denzel Ward, who's a shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. Whoever was going to be drafted by the Cleveland Browns was going to be in the best situation. A guy like Sam Darnold, and I, I truly believe that he will be the best quarterback, but that O-line is going to kill him. Right. And Josh Allen, same thing. No offensive line. No receivers to throw to. Now, we'll stick to the top ten here. We went over Barkley going to the Giants at two, then the Jets snag Darnold at three. We just talked about two. The Browns get Chubb at four, so one four. Denzel, Denzel Ward. Ward at four. Denzel Ward. Excuse me. The one, guy one, that two, went two. after him is, I think, the guy you that should have gone was, at four. I was, I was so sold on Chubb going at four. I feel like that should have been the that move. That was a mistake. It should have been the that move. I think taking Ward at four, that was one or two picks too soon for Ward to go. I, I completely agree. I think the Denzel Ward went a little too early. It's too much agreeing. But I think, <laughs> but really. I mean, the pick makes sense because they don't have a shutdown corner because they, Joe Hayden went to yeah. Pittsburgh last year, so it makes sense they don't have right. they don't have a shutdown corner. So it's a, definitely a position in need. But I think after Barkley, I thought Bradley Chubb was the best player left in the draft. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. absolutely. When you so have you guys, can't you can't pass on that guy. When no. you have guys comparing him to Von Miller and Khalil Mack, a mix of those guys, how could you possibly? And pass now him? he's playing with Von and now Miller. He's with Von Miller. That's the best young pass rush in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Oh, how do you I don't mess care, that up? I don't care that you took Miles Garrett and have Emmanuel Ogba, who are two great defensive linemen, but now you, you could have had Chubb the youngest and in most insane defensive oh, line. Ogba, Garrett, and Chubb. That could have been an insane defensive line. Yeah, but they took the position of need, and that's completely understandable because Denzel Ward is a great player. Is he better than Chubb? Probably not, but that's the position that they needed. Now, Ward going at four. Helps their secondary out. Denver takes Chubb at five. Good move. 
best on the board. Chubb should not have fallen to five, but he did, mm-hmm. and he was snagged. Beautiful. Helps them out. Von Miller. That's that's scary. That's yep. scary. It's a, it's, that's, a sc- it's a scary duo. Number six. Quentin Nelson, Golden Domer. Should have put the music on for that. Him. Honestly, he, he deserved. Honestly, you know what? Yeah. That the Indianapolis Colts, I think, get a slam dunk A plus for their first two picks in the draft beca- oh, yeah. because they addressed finally addressed the need of their offensive line. Quentin Nelson, I think, is going to be a surefire Hall of Famer person because this guy's. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Yeah, this is like a this is a gift for Andrew Luck. It's like we're, we're sorry for killing you for your entire career with us, but here you go. He's an offensive line surefire guy they're comparing to Hall of Famers. Hear what GM Chris Ballard said? I would have took Nelson over Chubb. I don't believe that. That's that's. I mean, that's I kind of I had Bradley that's Chubb going to Indy for the longest time. Yeah, I but was, you know, it was I, the easiest pick the Colts ever had to make. Oh, easily. Well, if easily they because... if they screwed that up, then there would have been a problem because yeah. you know they have needed an offensive lineman so badly for the last three years. Yeah, and this was the best guy they could have drafted, and then they went second round too, and they took Der- um, excuse me, they had two picks in a row. So they actually addressed major needs in the second round, too, yeah. getting Braden Smith, the guard from Auburn. But the pick directly right before that, they went with Darius Leonard, linebacker yeah. from South Carolina State. Great so guy. they, again, those first three picks the Colts have made were fantastic picks. Yep. Absolutely. Definitely addressing all the needs they needed. I think the Colts did it right. Did. Finally, they did it right. I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, and then after the Colts... The guy who went at number seven, Kyle, Josh Allen. Yep, and Buffalo traded up. Yep, I you knew, they had to snag a guy. The thing is, you knew they. Were, I think it was safe to say we all knew that Buffalo was going to be making the trade. Yep. Yeah, but I thought I always thought it was going to be at five. I thought yep. that they were going to trade with Denver. Uh, you know, they said once right. Chubb fell to Denver, that was they just stopped taking calls. I don't think if Chubb would have been taken by the Browns, I think they probably would have traded that pick away. Yeah, because I mean, it makes sense when you have a guy that literally fall, it falls into your lap. It's kind of like the Jets with Donald. When someone like that falls into your lap, you, you gotta, can't pass on him. You got you got to take him. Yep, you just got you got to do it. Get on that phone line fast. I think that Allen to the Bills is probably the best fit for them. Yeah, I think honestly the quarterbacks. All four of the quarterbacks, I think they might have like the right fit for all of them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Because you know Baker's going to have a great offense to work with, a very dynamic offense. Darnold is going to be given the best chance to succeed, I think, because he's going. I think he's probably going to be like ready to go in there pretty quickly, and if he develops the right way, he could be the face of that team that they need. Josh Allen is just like he just fits like that Buffalo Bill. Yeah, come from Wyoming. Yeah, straight. Yep. To another snowy, cold place. Exactly. Yeah. Just, I think that the Josh Allen pick is the right move in terms of the quarterbacks. And I think Rosen, you know, running that West Coast offense at UCLA, they're going to probably run that run-and-gun offense again at Arizona. Can learn a little bit and become, you know, a little more of a humbled guy. Work with Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. I think the small market for him is probably the best situation because if he went to a big market team, get away like from all the, the Jets, drama, it would have been... Away from the Bad, drama, yeah. to work on yeah. your craft. Absolutely. Number eight, Roquan Smith, the linebacker out of Georgia. Fantastic. Another surefire Bears guy. Bears needed that after Georgia. Such a great Terrell pick. Terrell Freeman actually announced his retirement from the NFL. Yeah. yeah. That was a great pick for the Bears. I love Roquan Smith. I think if he, if the Jets were like a little bit more down on the board, I think that he could have been a fantastic pick for the Jets. Yeah. 
Um, I think that Roquan Smith, and especially with Chicago, he's going to be the face of that defense now. Because, I mean, let's be fair, who else do they have on defense? Who, yeah. who even is their defense? Yeah. But I think Roquan Smith, this guy is going to be another great pick for the Bears and a fantastic player. Number nine, the San Francisco 49ers select Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. Straight after they drafted him, they traded Trent Brown to the Patriots. So that was, I remember we were texting, and you're like, why would they select him? They have Joe Staley and they have Trent Brown. Well, that's the answer. They, they got rid of him and replaced him with McGlinchey. McGlinchey, McGlinchey is another surefire guy. He, he, needs a little bit of, he needs a little bit of footwork. But from what I saw in college, he, he was fantastic. Excellent. Him and Quentin Nelson, fantastic. Excellent. I think um, that was another good pick by the Niners. They needed they to just fill in. When you have like another, it's like we've been saying, when a talent like that falls right in your lap, you got to take him. Yeah, and they made they made the move to get Trent Brown. Of course, he's got to go to the Patriots of all teams. He's yeah. got to go to the Wing one now, but you know it was a good pick by the Niners. And, <laughs> and then right after that, Rosen went to the Cardinals, traded down from fifteen. Yeah, yeah. perfect. They per- had to get a quarterback. Bottom line, perfect move for them because I think that you know Sam Darnold was just a one year thing, and they were the two. T- Buffalo and the Cardinals were the two teams that everybody was expecting to move up, and they did, and they took the quarterbacks that I think were the, per- the best fit for them. Cardinals moved up, but before we get to that, let's finish up McGlinchey here. The Raiders tried to move up to get McGlinchey, mm-hmm. yeah. but they were unsuccessful. Um, look, when Mc- at this stage, McGlinchey is an older guy because he spent five years at Notre Dame. He is 24, and, you know... Scouts were saying when he went up against good pass rushers, he didn't look that impressive. But what saves him is that he's six feet eight inches tall and three hundred fifty plus pounds, and he can move people like trucks. Yep. Um, you know, I know a guy the Giants drafted, Lorenzo Carter, had a key sack in the game against Notre Dame. But um, after McGlinchey, the guy who went at number ten, Josh Rosen, went at number ten. The Arizona Cardinals picked him. And overall, he was the fourth quarterback to go in in the top ten, and rightfully so, he was the last. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for Rosen to go there at ten. Arizona and Buffalo were the two teams that everybody knew were going to eventually trade up. Yep. And they took their quarterbacks because I think that – honestly, I think if Rosen fell to 11, I think that – it wasn't out of the realm that Miami was going to would take him. I don't know. He was the most polarizing quarterback in the draft. But those personality traits and every and I mean this guy every time somebody important gets up on the mic and talks about this guy nobody seems to like him. Even no. his own coach said I would take Darnold with the number 1 overall the pick. The Browns were bothered by him when they met with him. Yeah. Who was it that said, you know, um I think it was a representative for the Browns. They, yeah. They're like, you know, you should ask his girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's and I'm like, was. oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just a, it's just the type of guy that he seems to be. He just seems to be this stuck-up kid who who needs to mature. And, and real quick, because now he's on the NFL level. Quote, unquote, I thought I should have been picked at one, two, or three. Nine I mistakes. Dropped, I dropped, and I was pissed. I was really, really angry. I wasn't really showing it. They also went out and said that, you know, the, the nine teams that went before me, uh, they all made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. you know. I think, you know, there's a, um, 
I never have any issue with a player being confident in themselves or cocky of what they can do. Granted, what Rosen is, he had some success at UCLA, but I think there's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, between being, you know, just straight up arrogant and being confident. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Rosen was a little more arrogant than anything. Yeah. I appreciate his confidence, but at the same time, you know, humble yourself a little bit. Okay. Yeah, right. Listen, now you're going to have to play against the big boys. And, and in division with Aaron, Aaron Donald and Adam Kinsu on the same line, you're going to learn real quick. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Most NFL teams saw an enigma in Josh Rosen, but the Cardinals saw a gem. They saw something different. They saw something different that the other 31 teams didn't see. I think they also <laughs> desperate needed a yeah. quarterback. It was more of a desperation move that's to take I, Rosen. That's what I think it was. Because quite frankly, if Arizona didn't need a quarterback, Rosen may have dropped. He, he probably could have he won. He would have been like Matt Leinart. He could have fallen all the way down to like 17 to the Chargers to, yeah. find, to be Phillip Rivers' replacement at this rate. I um, thought for sure the Cardinals were going to stay at 15 and draft Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I thought that was going to happen. On that note, let's talk about who the Giants and Jets picked now that we got through our top ten. Um, who oh, shall... we're not going to talk about like one of my favorite players in the entire draft? Who's that? I'll tell you. <laughs> what he said. We're not going to talk about Vita Vey. Oh, with the 46 character name. Yeah, he, uh, he, I think he went number 12, right? Yeah, 12 to Tampa. He, you know, that was a great pick for them. Yeah, I just, I don't understand that pick. Because you got Vinny Curry and you got Jason Pierre-Paul. Why would you draft another defensive lineman when you could have had like a, and Joe well, McCoy. a safety in Derwin James? V, yeah, v, I mean, that secondary sit, is awful. He sit behind McCoy, and, I mean, if you start a 4-3, he can emerge as the Ford, the fourth. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. So many good ins- players. So, so many insane picks. My opinion, the Calvin. worst pick of the first round was Dallas. Uh, Leighton Van, Van Der Esch? Leighton Van Der Esch. The guy graduated from a high school with like 10 kids he played 8 on 8 he's a good prospect but not for the middle of round 1 Dallas their strongest need wasn't an inside linebacker it was receiving core yeah they I, I think won. they believe that Dak Prescott Cal- that- Calvin Ridley is sitting there in your palm I don't think that Dallas really Moore. believes yeah. in Dak to really throw the ball uh, I mean I, I really I mean to get rid of a guy like Dez Look, like nothing. Uh, Dallas had the worst draft. Oh yeah, I think they blew it big they time. Had the worst draft. I th- DJ Moore last this year. They will finish last. I think. D- I think over the Redskins. Really? Yep. I think that you know, Calvin Ridley should have been their pick. It should yeah. have been. It uh-huh. so should have been their pick. What should have been was another team. And now, and now, Calvin Ridley is like the happiest guy alive because he's with Julio a, Jones, a fellow Alabama receiver in Julio Jones, and now he's got the richest quarterback in the league in Matt Ryan. And probably one of the best, the one of, if not the best, offense in the game. Hundred million guaranteed. And it's yeah. like it's oh, Ridley, Ridley, another older guy. He's twenty three, uh, getting drafted at a Coconut Creek, Florida. Interesting town name. Not as interesting as Happy Valley, but Coconut Creek. Uh, that is an interesting town, nevertheless. He's gonna know all about Happy Valley over here. This guy. Yeah. Going to Penn State, the true Happy Valley. The Giants and the Jets. Um, We'll start with the Giants because they drafted before the Jets. Barkley that was their first round pick. Their second round pick was a guy who should have went in the first round, and I think was there was may have been the best value pick of the draft. That's the steal of the draft. In my Dave opinion. Gettleman, quote unquote, Will Hernandez was a fantastic. That's Hog Molly, Will Hernandez, 
who will be starting at left guard. This guy absolutely one. plows. That was a people. fantastic pick. He is so good. He is very good. He pushes people like it's nothing. And to think that because it's been stated that he could play left guard and right guard, same thing with Omame. Uh, Omame. So yeah, yeah. You have Solder and Hernandez. Will Hernandez on that left side. Which Saquon Barkley at Penn State mostly ran to the left. This guy's younger than me. These are going to be huge. Will Hernandez drafted out of UTEP. Look, you're getting a guy at the University of Texas El Paso. Not it's not often you see. I mean, you know, quite frankly, they had a first year head coach this year. They don't have a great history in terms of records, but Hernandez is a beast. Yeah, he really is, and he cleared up some clogs. You know, he started all forty-nine games from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. Good. From freshman to senior year. Also, he started as a freshman. Yeah, he was a second team All American. College, he won the college. Fo- he was invited to the college football All Star Challenge, and Coach Cugs really helped Will Hernandez get ready for the Giants. Quite frankly, and I think Hernandez was an excellent pick. And Gettleman addressed a need that the Giants needed because the need was not completed. Despite signing Solder and Omina, you needed another guy. Yep. They got Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Now the only question is the issue at right tackle, yeah. which, quite frankly, the Giants declined the fifth-year option on Eric Flowers. Chad Wheeler. Chad Wheeler, Chad Wheeler will Wheeler. start at right tackle. Yep. Well, I mean, as Wheeler. long as Eric Flowers doesn't sniff the field, I think you guys should be okay. Yep. Yeah. Um the third round. What's up, Greg? I was going to say, if we're, if we're talking like some value picks here, a little off the beaten path, but if we're talking some like value picks, the Packers getting yeah. Josh Jackson yep. in the second round yep. and Christian Kirk going to the Cardinals, who I yep. thought could have been a late first round Some really pick. good value picks there. Mm-hmm. And, and Christian Kirk going to the Cardinals. I mean, my God, that was a, such a great fit. Incredible. Um Third round, the Giants had the 66th and the 69th pick. They picked Lorenzo Carter, edge rusher out of Georgia, linebacker. Another good pick. Uh, not their best pick, but it was definitely a good pick. Uh, it, it was an area of need, and Gettleman addressed that in the first three rounds. The edge yep. rusher position, the running back position, the offensive line, and then three picks later he goes and steals B.J. Hill, who should have went in round two. That entire NC State offensive line was drafted. Yeah. yeah and I believe that... I believe that they would have drafted Contavious Street, the NC State guy. That that was one of the guys that they had during the combine, but he actually tore his ACL at the Giants practice. Love B.J. Hill. B.J. Hill is a beast. He had one of his best games against Quentin Nelson at a, at a Notre Dame. In uh, high school, he was a former uh, running back, so you know the guy is mobile. Look, the Giants, they bolstered their offense in the first two rounds. In the third round, they really focused on their defense. Yep. B.J. Hill, you know. And Lorenzo Carter, Lorenzo Carter, 14 and a half sacks during his career with the Bulldogs. And in round four, you come back and draft the MVP of the Senior Bowl, Kaya Lawletta. I like that pick Out a of lot. Richmond, who quite frankly was the, the, the number six quarterback on a lot of people's boards. A lot of people seem to love this guy. And they, they say his one weakness in is the strength in the arm, but that's all Jim. But this guy is apparently deadly accurate. This is what Davis like, Webb he needs. He needs competition. Yeah. And Lawletta. then you can really see the true... Maybe not successive, but true next guy up. I just feel like every round the Giants drafted somebody they that nailed it. fell to them. They nailed it. Every single round they nailed it. Every pick was good, and then R.J. McIntosh in the fifth round. In that Notre Dame-Miami game, he made another Quentin defensive Nelson tackle look silly. So. so the Giants went running back, O-line, edge rusher, 
defensive tackle, quarterback, defensive tackle. So the Giants still took a quarterback, but they waited till round four to do it. I think Lawletta can be great, has the potential to, to be. Let's get to the Jets. Sam Darnold, number one. Greg? We were iffy on this. Iffy on the pick, but I think for the value, I think it was the right move for the Jets because I think he's the most NFL-looking quarterback. Yeah, He looks like he could be like a very good quarterback in this league. And I think that overall, the Jets addressed a lot, definitely addressed some needs in this draft. They did. Um, you know, getting Sam Darnold first because you need that quarterback of the future because, you know, Bridgewater and McCown are just here for right now and just see what happens. And, you know, Darnold has done everything right. You know, I, I obviously, like, following the Jets on, like, social media, you see he's, you know, going to children's hospitals, like, doing business for the team. He's doing meet and greets with fans ready to get out there. So, you know, he's doing it right. Yep. And I think that it, pro- it was the best pick the Jets could have made yep. at three. Um, and then, obviously, they traded the uh, they traded ups. They lost their second rounder this year. But then they ended up taking Nathan Shepard on the defensive line. It was a defensive tackle from Fort Hayes State. Uh, he was coming from D2. Always iffy when, you know, you're taking a, a guy from Division Two because you don't know what they're going to turn out to be. But, you know, seeing tape of this guy, I think that, you know, defensive tackle was definitely a position of need for the Jets because right now on that line, all they really have is Leonard Williams and Steve McClendon. Yeah. And I think that overall, you know, the Jets should, you know, this was a good move, and they also made a trade with Indy, another trade to get um, Henry Anderson. I think his name is. He's yeah. a he's a, another end on the defensive line from Indy. So uh, the Jets just started ra- are rounding out the defensive line in this draft, which is great. Um, I would really like the Chris Herndon pick, who they took in the fourth round, tight end from Miami. Uh-huh. I think that was a great pick. Desperately needed pass catching help. Oh yeah, because I mean, Herndon's a guy that you can spread out all over the field, which I think was a great pick for the Jets because you can line him in the slot, you can put him at tight end, even line him out wide. It was a good pick for the Jets. Uh, Perry Nickerson, uh, these uh, the three six-round picks for the Jets, you know. That's a good pick. Uh, the, the he Nickerson, ran the fastest time at the combine. Yeah. So I, that's a great pick. It's to get some speed in that secondary is always good, too, um, just because right now, you know, adding Tremaine Johnson into that secondary was huge. But now you got Perry Nickerson, who you could put out wide to cover number twos and down the road and even be like a nickel corner. But when you have a speed like that, that was a great pick. Um for Lorenzo Fatasaki, uh, defensive end. I, I'm so surprised I said that correctly. Defensive <laughs> end from UConn. Um, just uh, some more defensive line depth, which you know you can never go wrong with. And Trenton Cannon, the this sixth last guy, yeah, sixth round running back, Virginia State. To be completely honest, I don't know anything about this guy. So yeah, I, you do. So I have. You re- do. I do. You do. Yes, he played for Virginia State, another Division two school. Jets drafted two Division II guys. Tr- uh, Trenton Cannon played for Virginia State, the team that played LIU Post in the 2014 NCAA tournament in round one. You think I'm going to know that off the top of my head? Well, that was pre-us calling football Exactly, games. that was 2014. <laughs> I barely even knew. Not far from Virginia I, Union. I wasn't Remember, even part- we trickled down there. I wasn't even part of the radio station when <laughs> they played each other. <laughs> Neither was I, but uh, hey, look. Virginia State has some history with LIU Post. Yeah, and back to the it. back to the Nathan Shepard pick real <laughs> quick. I like that pick a lot, talent wise. The only issue that I have with him is that by the time he gets on the field of an NFL game, he will be twenty seven years old, which is well, he turns twenty five. Well, um, he's twenty six right now. He turns twenty seven September twenty eighth. Yeah, which is 
listen, when you have an average of guys going at 21 and 22, to already have a guy that's five years older than most of those guys, not really a good thing, but he's very talented from what I've seen. There is a report saying he's 24. Maybe that's wrong. I know. Well, I he know. played division. Well, he played. Since um, he turns 25 in October. Well, he played youth football, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that. He played um, football in Canada for a couple of years, and then before coming to uh, the U.S. Sense. to play football. So that probably was, um, you know, a difference with you know his eligibility. Yeah. So that's probably why he's a lot older. Mm-hmm. But um, I think honestly, you know, you can't go wrong with the pick. No, yeah, I, it's a good I, pick. I, you can't. Talent-wise, he's he's excellent. I think he's got a lot of talent and potential. So I think the Jets overall, I would give like a solid, like an A overall. Because the Giants, I think, got an A plus for sure in this draft. Yeah, and, I, and look, and you know, it, it sounds it sounds a little ridiculous to say as a Giants fan, but they might have had the best draft in the NFL. Oh, no, I think they did. I think they, they, and, they, and they probably did. Home, look, but they probably look, did. It, it sounds biased coming from a Giants fan, but when something's true, you have to admit it, whether yeah. if you're a fan of the team or not. Yeah, the Giants and the Jets probably both had top five drafts. I think yeah, yeah I think the Giants might be up there for like top two or three. I think Indy had a, had a fantastic draft too, yeah. so I would put them up there just because they hit all the needs. But I think that ultimately, you know, the Jets and Giants. I think this year they, I think they both did it right. Yeah, they both did it right. Yeah, you finally had a GM with the Giants now addressing positions that need instead of over the topping positions of which you didn't really need. Yeah, guys. Uh, on that note, that will do it for our show. Next week, stay tuned. We will talk more about this stuff when we air next Thursday, 5 to 7 p.m. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.